Welcome to Springhouse. We're glad that you guys are here this morning. If you're joining us on live stream, thank you for joining us this morning. I'm so blessed that we have the ability and opportunity to have our service live stream. There's a team that works so hard to be able to get that to you. So welcome. I'm glad that you're, I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad you're streaming with us. And I'm glad that you're with us if you're in the, if you're in the house this morning. A couple of uh, announcements before we get uh, right into things. First of all, we've got a conference coming up. And uh, this conference is going to be March 7th through 10th. Uh, and man, I hope and pray that you are making plans to attend uh, our Springhouse Conference. The theme of our conference is all access, because you have all access to the King of Kings, the one who breathes stars. And, uh, and so I want you to make plans to be here. We've got some spectacular things in store for the children's ministry and youth ministries we're going to announce uh, closer to. And, uh, and we're going to have a really good, real sweet time here that week. So 7th through 10th, mark your calendars. We, we encourage you to register on the app. If you register on the app, who likes free stuff? Yeah, yeah, we like free stuff. So there's a free, there's some free stuff coming your way if you register by the eighth. So if you will uh, go on the app and register, uh, that will help us with some of the planning for the conference and bring some people, bring some friends. It's it's going to be real rich. It's going to be a great time uh, together. Also want to remind you that we have a midweek gathering here from six to seven p.m. on Thursdays. Pastor Wayne Berry has been doing a series called Seeing Jesus, and it's been really, really rich. Now you don't have to have been here the last several weeks to participate. Come and be a part of it, though I do encourage you to go on the app or on the website and watch the previous uh, sessions. I think that you will be really blessed by that. That's six o'clock on Thursday night. Uh, And then we have not forgotten about our Bible reading plan. Are we reading the Word? Okay, five by five by five. It's five days for five minutes, uh, five chapters through the week. And we're going through the New Testament. And this information is available on the app and on the website. uh, And I believe also on our social media. Uh, And if you were reading this week, you got to read about uh, Saul's conversion. You got to see Jesus appear to, to Saul. And, and guys, I can't tell you as we get into the rest of the year, it's such a wonderful thing to have a foundation laid scripturally of what we're going to be teaching and talking on. And so if you haven't started, it is not too late. Do not wait until 2025 to try to start again. Start now, week by week. Jump in. I believe we're on, are we week, week five or week six coming up here? Week five? Okay, you all are doing this with me, aren't you? Yeah, okay. I think we're on week five. five. I think we're on week five. Week six. Rebecca says week six is coming up, okay? So even if you start the wrong week, some people are starting in week 42 or something like that uh, at the start of the year. So just start reading and, and follow the plan. We want you to be in the New Testament with us, okay? God is good all the time, all the time. And we are starting the second section of our three-part series for this year, His Word, His Life, and His Church. Now, who is the His we're talking about? Jesus. We're talking about Jesus. And so we're going to, uh, we're going to be looking at that uh, starting today. We're going to be looking at Jesus's life, and I'm excited. So would you stand with me? We're going to read a passage from the book of Romans that you may be familiar with, and we're going to read Eugene Peterson's take on it. Uh, and I would like you all to read like you had three shots of espresso, and you've got some spiritual gunction in you, okay? So let's read together like we mean it. Here we go. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. 
Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings out the best of you develops well-formed maturity in you. Father, I thank you for your word and that it brings life. I pray, Lord, that it would be transformative in our hearts and just like the writer puts here, that we would be quickly to respond when you speak to us. We love you today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. My wife and I had the opportunity and the privilege to take our girls to the Grand Canyon last year. Uh, Has anybody ever been to the Grand Canyon? If you have not been to the Grand Canyon, I do encourage you to make that a, a part of your journey. I don't think you will regret it. It's a magnificent site. It's a wonderful, glorious site. I had had the opportunity to go there as a young child once, and I don't remember it very well. Uh, but when we went, with, uh, we went with the girls, it was just absolutely spectacular. And so we got in the car and we headed on the road to go to the Grand Canyon. And, you know, going out to the Grand Canyon, there's a couple of ways that you can get out there. And we went the boring way and it was hours of just flat land, you know. But the anticipation in me was building to see the Grand Canyon because I knew that it was going to be breathtaking. And it absolutely was more than I could ever imagine or expect. It was absolutely breathtaking. Have you ever had an experience with somebody that you put an expectation on them to appreciate the experience as much as you did? In this experience with my four beautiful daughters, I placed the expectation for hours that this was going to be a life-changing moment in their life. And they went, and I will tell you, they were mesmerized, they were enthralled, they were overjoyed, they were excited about this squirrel the entire time. In fact, so much so, we took them to the edge of the, of the canyon. We were going to talk about God's majesty, and Nora was just losing her mind in tears because she was afraid that the canyon was going to take away from her seeing where the squirrel was going to go next. My question to us today is, are we on the precipice of a supernatural Grand Canyon movement, but we're distracted by the squirrels? I believe that God has Grand Canyon level things in store uh, for us if we will stop paying attention to the mundane and the ordinary, the squirrels that get in our way, the distractions, we tend to settle for so much less than he intends for us to have. We settle for so much less than what the God of the universe says that you can have and that you can do. And all of it stems around this central point of Jesus Christ coming, paying an ultimate price like we talked about here at baptism for your sin and my sin so that we can live in a kingdom. We can live in the kingdom of God for all eternity. And it doesn't start, guys, when we take our last breath. It starts at the moment when we say, Jesus Christ, you are my Lord. And so we have access to this incredible, incredible, extraordinary God. And we need to examine Jesus Christ's life because we are supposed to be imitators of Christ. The scripture gives us precedence on what we're, how we're supposed to live our life. Over 
Moreover, in 1 John chapter 2, it says this, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Do we have anybody claiming to live in Christ Jesus in this place? Raise your hand and unashamedly live in Christ Jesus. Well, we're supposed to live as Jesus did. This is what first Peter tells us. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Are you following in Jesus Christ's steps? Also over in Ephesians, it says this, follow God's example. Therefore, as dearly loved children, And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We also read over in John 13 when he's washing the disciples' feet. He says, this is an example. I am washing your feet as an example for how you should serve and how you should love one another. Metaphorically speaking, have we been washing each other's feet? Have we been serving one one another out of the posture of love that God has given us that is beyond ourselves, beyond our flesh, beyond our our self-ish inclination? Have we been a people who are willing to love one another? Have we been a people who are willing to love the people we don't like, the people we don't agree with, the people who have different and contrary opinions than we do? Have we been the essence of Christ? Can I submit to you this morning that there is a dying world all around us full of people, full of people who do not know this Jesus. There is a dying world in the sphere, potentially in the sphere of your influence, in the place that you go to work every day, in the grocery market, when you're, who says grocery market? In the grocery store, Uh, When you go to the grocery store, when you're in the gas station, that person that you're cutting off, I mean, that you're driving beside on the road because they're driving too slow or too fast. There there are people all around us who do not know the extraordinary love of a star-breathing God who have broken places and wounded places just like you who need to be introduced so that their life can change for all eternity. Can I ask you, who do you think God's choosing to use to convey that information? He's using you, but so many times we stand here in the church and we just look at those glass doors and we just say, well, we hope they come to us. Do you know that the purpose of coming into this place is to be equipped to go out there and love people? The purpose that we are here is to learn and to be equipped so that we can go out into a dying world and we can convey the love of Christ so that they may have the ability, the opportunity, and the privilege to meet him one day. The Holy Spirit chooses to use you as his agents of grace. Are you willing to be used by the Lord? But in order for us to look like Jesus, we gotta know something about Jesus. In order for us to look like Jesus, we gotta know a little bit about his, about his life and, and how he acted. And I, and I go back to the Grand Canyon analogy. I'm telling you, how Jesus walked this earth and how he responded is unparalleled and goes against every cultural norm of the time. And may I submit to you that the way that we're to love one another goes against every cultural norm of our culture today. We are supposed to love in an extraordinary way. And guys, I don't have the strength within myself to do it. I need the Holy Spirit's help. And when he helps me do that, I convey a gift that's all on him. I convey a gift and may they accept the love that Christ has for them that would change their life for eternity. 
Jesus in his life was always about his father's business. The core of what I want us to grab today is this point that Jesus Christ, when we look at his life, he was always about his father's business. Jesus wanted the will of God in every interaction, in every circumstance, in every situation. So I believe that Jesus woke up in the morning and said, Dad, what do you want to do today? What do you want to, oh, that we would be a people. That in every moment, in every interaction, in every lunch appointment, in every work appointment, in every uh, ride down the street, in every interaction with family, that we would say, Lord, what would you have me to convey in this moment? Lord, what would you have me receive in this moment? moment. I'll tell you more times than not, if I take you to lunch or breakfast or dinner or you're coming over to the house, I am asking the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you give me something that I can leave with this person that encourages them, that shows them your love? And Lord, more than that too, would you help me learn from the person who's sitting across from me? Would you, have, would you give them a word to, to show me something about you and to remind me about your great mercy and grace in my life? And guys, here's the thing. It's happening all the time. It's just whether or not I'm paying attention to it. It's whether or not I'm, my eyes and my ears. Do you know, it's so funny. We will come and we will ask, have you ever, it, it, there's that movie with Jim Carrey in it. I think it's, um, I, I forget what, is it Bruce Almighty? the one that he's looking for the sign and all the signs are right there and he keeps asking for a sign. You know what I'm talking about? He's, a, he's asking for a sign, asking for a sign. He's like, I just need a sign. And it's literally all of these billboard signs and then he gets in an accident. You know, you can spend your life looking for signs until you wreck yourself, until you hurt yourself. God gives signs. He talks to us. He wants to be involved in your life. I love the little story tucked away in Luke chapter two. You know, we don't get uh, very many glimpses into Jesus's adolescence, but there's this little story tucked into Luke chapter two where his parents were going to the Passover at the temple and they were taking their family, took all of their things and they brought Jesus and they turn away to go home. He's 12 years old. They turn away to go home and they walk an entire day to discover Jesus isn't with them. Have you ever left your children anywhere? And I can imagine Mary's freak out moment when she realized, I call this the home alone section of scripture. She, she realizes in that moment, Jesus, Jesus isn't here. And so they turn around and the Bible tells us three days later, they find Jesus is in the temple talking to the priests and asking them questions. And he, she goes in there and you know, it's written so eloquently. She goes in and says, now why were you not with us like you were supposed to be? And he says to her, I was about my father's business. I think Jesus got a spanking. That's just me. I think he got a spanking. And I think because later on, right after that, it says Jesus, Jesus turned around, went with him and walked in obedience to his parents. That's what it says. It literally says that in there. Listen, Jesus was tempted in every way that we were tempted. Jesus was man and he was God. He also knew that he had to be about his father's business. And he wasn't talking about Joseph. He was talking about God Almighty. Do you know that your life is more than trying to build a big house, have a picket fence, a Mercedes, and a big bank account? Do you know that your life here is supposed to be advancing the kingdom of God? This world is going to be destroyed and everything in it. All the accumulation, you know that basement and that garage and that room that you haven't cleaned out in ages? 
You know what I'm talking about, right? Those spaces that you just haven't gone through all of the, that's all going away. It's all going to pass away. But so many of us will spend so much of our life catering to all that stuff and miss the people God has been placing in our lives to minister to, to show Christ's love to, to offer the gift of salvation to. So what is God's business? If we're supposed to be about the Father's business, what is his business? Well, if I were to encapsulate his business into one phrase, it would be this. God's business is loving people. God's business is loving people. So if we're supposed to be about the Father's business, we have a problem because we don't really know how to do that very well. In order to love people the way that Jesus did, not only do we have to understand love, we have to be willing to lay down our lives. In other words, when I wake up in the morning, numero uno is not Kevin O'Day. And so often I have a propensity in my flesh to make it about me. Until about that third cup of coffee when I'm like, ooh, wait a minute, I'm supposed to be thinking about you, Lord. I've already yelled at my kids. I already stubbed my toe and said, praise the Lord. And... uh, You know, but what would it look like, friends, what would it look like if truly, honestly, when we woke up, the first thing that we thought was, Lord, how do you want to use me today? What do you want to teach me today? This day is yours. Now, some of you might get a little bit kind of confused because you're thinking, well, Kevin, listen, I work a factory job or I work at this place. I spend 40, 50, 60 hours. And so I got to get past that before I can really start doing anything for the Lord. No, sir, no, ma'am. I want to tell you that instead of complaining about your situation at work, maybe God has placed you there for a reason. Some of you have been pleading and hoping that God would change your circumstance and situation. Maybe God has you there to teach you something and to use you for his purpose and his glory. See, whenever you give your life to Christ, your life is no longer about you. It's about him and his purposes. So how would the Lord use you with the people that you interact with? We have no fewer than 50 business owners, managers, leaders in this church. No fewer. I believe we have more than closer to 75, but we have no fewer than 50. I've counted. So of the 50 people or more, you have employees that work for you. Some of you have had employees for decades. Do they know the Lord Jesus Christ? Do they know that it's evident in your walk? Is it a brief conversation? Or is there an urgency to show the love of Christ as if they were going to lose their life tomorrow? And are you going to be filled with regret that you didn't? Now, I know that that sounds a little bit like I'm saying it's on you. And on one one side of the coin, it is on you if the Lord's asked you to do it. But you're not doing anything but making yourself available. He's doing the work. He does the change. But guys, if we're not available, he can't do the work through us. He can't do the work through us. In loving people, in fueled by loving people, Jesus came to do two things. He said, the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. The mission of Jesus Christ on the planet was to seek and to save the lost. And so when we are about our father's business, It is about maturing the saints in the Lord, but there is a dying world that needs to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news of Jesus Christ. And guess who the agents are that he plans to use? It's you. He plans to use you in your, I'm talking about broken, messed up, weird you. Yes, he wants to use you. In fact, the more messed up you are, the more he wants to use you because the more you have to lean on him to do the work. 
And so we've heard so many times that Jesus loves Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves you so much. He does. Jesus loves you so much. He does. That's true. But Jesus' primary motivation to go to the cross was not his love for you. I'm sorry to say. His primary motivation to go to the cross was obedience to his Father. Was obedience. And if there's anything that we can take from Jesus' example, it was that in every instance he walked in obedience to his Father, despite what people said, despite what people did, despite what people thought. Jesus always walked in obedience to his Father, and it led him to a cross called Calvary. Are you willing to obey God to the point of your demise? Not necessarily physically, though that may be the call, but to the demise of your popularity, to the demise of your opinions, to the demise even of your earthly security? Are you willing to obey God and follow his will Paul, Saul, murdered people, and he was enlightened, and his life changed. And I'm so glad that Paul decided to surrender his life to Jesus Christ because he wrote the most incredible letters that we get to glean and learn from. Are you willing to lay down your life for the Lord? Are you willing to be Jesus? Do you look like him? Do you look like him? When people leave your presence, do they see Have you ever been in a restaurant and had a server and you knew they know the Lord? You just knew they know the Lord because of the way they interacted with you. And I've been in situations where I was like, I know they don't know Jesus. There's no way that they know Jesus. And the Holy Spirit's like, well, you do. Why don't you tell them about me? But Lord, I want to punch him in the face. I don't know how that's going. <laughs> Jive together. If Jesus is about his father's business, then we ought to be about the father's business as well. And we often are not about the father's business because we think our business is way more important. Our business is way more important. And so instead of me being involved with what you want, God, I'm gonna go in this direction and I'll invite you along in the things that I'm willing to render control over. That's not how it works, guys. God wants you to surrender completely to him and to allow him to use you as an agent of grace where he has you planted. Where he has you planted. So the largest culprit that we have in our inability to do God's will and to listen to what he says, I don't think it's pride. I actually don't think it's sin. I think the biggest culprit for us in this generation to not be able to lean in and, and be about the Father's business is lack of availability. Mental capacity, emotional capacity, spiritual capacity, calendar capacity. Some of us have so filled up our, and here's the, I, I'm, doing, I'm doing my family, I'm doing my ministry, I'm doing my work, I'm doing community, I'm doing, doing, doing all of these things, but I'm missing God. I'm missing God. Can I tell you that no is anointed as much as yes is? And that some of us need, and guys, I learned this the hard way. I'm speaking from experience here. I learned this the hard way. No is an anointed word. And we live in a culture, we live in a culture where there is FOMO. There is fear of missing out all over the place. But can I tell you that your fear of missing out needs to be inferior to your fear of missing God? Your fear of missing out 
must be inferior to your fear of missing God because you might, you might miss out on a few things, but I guarantee you, you don't want to miss God. Or you don't want to have your calendar and your activity. And here's, here's the dangerous thing. This is, this is where I don't, I, we, we've, we, we often allow our minds to go, listen, I'm not engrossed or entangled in some, some big sin right now in my life. So I'm really doing good. But do you know that it's the trick of the enemy to get you involved with a bunch of things that are good to distract you from actually doing the things that are God? And so you could be doing community, you could be hanging out, your calendar could be chock full from bottom to I'm hanging out with people, I'm doing family, I'm doing all of this stuff and I'm jiving and it's all got the label of the Lord, but none of it God's asked you to do. And so in the middle of it where he wants to use you to do things, he can't use you because you're not where you're supposed to be. And so our lack of availability for the Lord is a great culprit in our lives. Guys, and it doesn't take very long when you start to get in rhythm with the Holy Spirit to walk into a meeting. I, anytime I go into a meeting, I'm saying, Lord, I need you. Lord, would you speak to me? Holy Spirit, I need you in this meeting. I need you to help me not say something so dumb. I need, Lord, I need your help. I'm constantly crying out to the Lord because I need his help. I'm the dumbest sheep in this room. I promise you, I need his help. You need his help too. You need his help too. And my cry for the Lord is, guys, when you interact with me, I hope that you see Jesus in my life. I hope you see Jesus in what I say. I hope you see Jesus in what I do. I hope that whenever you come out of, come out of my presence, that you taste and see that he's good because he is good. And if you, get to, if you start tasting what Kevin has to bring to the table, it's moldy and nasty and gross. But boy, I want you to have the sweet fragrance of Christ in your life. So the basic understanding in all scripture is this. God uses people to accomplish his purpose. You ever been told like if you're carrying like a burden or something, somebody, some preacher gets up and says, you just need to give it to God. Sister, brother, just go and give that thing to God. Go release that to God. Do you know we don't really do a good job of talking about the how? Go give that to God. Well, I don't know. Some people don't even, first, they don't know God. Second, they don't know what, what does it mean to give something to God? It's, it, seems so, it seems so easy to say, how do I give something? Can I tell you that the Lord's, when you look at scripture, his, now he did use a donkey one time, okay? He does use other, other things, I guess. His chosen instrument is people, and a lot of times we're asking the Lord to provide an answer for us and he has provided someone in our life to give us an answer, but because they're giving us the answer we don't like, we don't listen to it. Because they're saying things to us that might cause us to feel some sort of way, we will try to chase down the one who will give us permission to do the thing we wanna do. God is not slow. In keeping his promises, he's not slow in protecting you. And when you're asking God for an answer, if you seek him, you will find him. He has an answer for you. And the answers need to line up with his word. That's why it's important for us to know this. Some of us get really off base because we're following a direction because somebody prophesied over us or said something to us and it has nothing to do lining up with scripture. And we're just on this thing. And then we get so hurt and we fall off. We wonder where God's been. Guess what? That's the fault of two people. It's the fault of the person who said something that was ignorant and wrong, and it's the person who listened and followed through without anybody checking the word. This word will not return void. It's true. We can stand on it. 
So this means that God wants to use you. Would you look at your neighbor and say, God wants to use you? And I wanted you to do that because some of you, listen, listen to, please listen to this. Some of you think that you are so far gone and so not like him that you're, you're thinking there's no way the God of the universe could ever use me. But I want you to know that that is a lie from the pit of hell. God wants to use you in your broken, weak state. And if you're working to try to become perfect before he uses you, you're never going to get used because you're never going to be perfect. But when you wake up every morning and you say, God, your mercies are new in my life every day. Your grace has covered me. The blood of the cross covers my sin. It doesn't matter what I did 24 hours ago. Today is a new day, new mercies, and I can be used by you. King Jesus, use me today. You can proclaim that every day over your life and you can see him do extraordinary supernatural things through you. And guess what? You get to testify because here's the thing. You get to walk up and say, hey, listen, I am messed up, but let me tell you what God just did through me. I get to give him all the glory. Why? Because he's the one doing the work. He's the one doing the work. Stop listening to Oprah. Stop listening to the news. Stop listening to places God did not tell you to turn on that TV and start listening to all the, listen to the Holy Spirit. Trust the people he has placed in your life. You have a community for a reason. You have pastors and elders in your life for a reason. You have a, cool, you have a, a, a tight friend group for a reason. You have a spouse for a reason. The Lord will use them as instruments of grace in your life to speak truth. And sometimes his voice is going to tell you to do things that you do not want to do. It sure did tell Jesus to do stuff all the way to the leading to the cross of Calvary, including his disciples. Are you willing to lay down your life for him? Because friends, it is a privilege. It is a privilege to be used by God. Anytime he chooses to use you, it is a privilege. It is an honor, God, to be used by you. Ephesians 2 talks about us. It says, for we are God's handiwork. We were created in Christ Jesus. You messed up you. You were created in Christ Jesus. What? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You know what that tells me? It told me that before your mess, God had a plan for you. And after your mess, because he covered it, he had a plan for you. He sees you, he knows you, and you have something inside you that the kingdom of God needs, that God wants to pull out of you, every one of you. Can you lean in to being about your father's business? I talked about a few weeks ago, the word that the Lord gave me this year was refined. And, uh, and I want you to understand, do you understand that the word of God is not disconnected? Everything is connected. We talked, we talked recently, and I was talking in connection to being refined. I was talking about our need for healing inside our, our lives, places in our lives uh, that are broken, places that are dark, dark crevices and, and, and corridors in our lives that need a special touch from God. God, listen, salvation, salvation is your entrance ticket to heaven, but salvation here on earth is the pathway toward the journey of wholeness in your life. You are broken and God desires you to be whole. Why is it important for us to be whole? Because God wants to use us to advance his kingdom. And if we are just walling around in our brokenness the whole time, chances are we're not going to really pay attention and be used. God doesn't want you to continue to be broken. He wants you to be healed. Now, does it feel good to be healed? No, 
because you have to go back to some of those places that hurt you. You have to go back to some of those places that didn't feel very good. But here's the thing. When you go back, you're not alone. When you go back this time, you've got the Holy Spirit with you. You've got the Lord God Almighty with you. And he will walk you through those valleys and he will say, listen, I want to heal this. I want to heal that. Because God is about getting to the roots and not the symptoms, guys. He wants to start pulling up roots. And here's the thing. You ready for this? I've got some roots coming up out of my life right now. Truly, right now, Kevin O'Day, got some roots. Do you know what? The Lord is using those pulled up roots to start ministering to other people about the same roots that they've got embedded in their life. It is how the kingdom of God works. He wants to use your story. It's not just about you. And it's very selfish if you think that what's happening in your life is about you only. It's about advancing his kingdom. And so what happens in this refining process is God, you start to invite God and say, well, and sometimes we don't invite God, but he decides to dig in there anyway. Right? And so we get in here and look, it's like our life. Look at my life. It's just so pure. It just looks so good. And you start to go in here and you start to pour things and he starts to shake you. You know, it's like, ooh, nothing's there. That's good. Okay. Ooh, all right. Yeah, I'm looking pure and good right now. I'm righteous. I'm a righteous dude. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have some muscles by the end of the year too. You're a righteous muscle dude. So starts to, he starts to sift you and then, whoop. Oh, what? oh, all of a sudden, something shows up. And you're like, God, what is this? How are you doing, Kevin? I'm great. I'm perfect. Everything's good. How are you doing? Good. God, what is this? That's big. Oh, my goodness. Well, let me get some drugs and numb this. I'm doing great. Doing great. Let me get a vice and try to cover up this so I don't have to show anybody. So God starts to reveal some things to you in the sifting process, and it doesn't feel good. So he continues to sift. He continues to sift. And what I believe, guys, happens here in this refining process isn't so much that God is sifting out the bad things and they're falling and only he remains. There's actually a step before that. What he does is he sifts things out around you, the distractions and everything, so you can see clearly, you can see clearly the opportunity to choose between the flesh and the spirit. And so you've got the flesh and the spirit in front of you. Now it's, now it's concrete. You got flesh and spirit right here. Now I've got a piece of a truffle candy right here and I've got a rock, okay? Kurt, what you choosing? Truffle. The truffle, every time. Who's, tru- who's choosing the truffle? Come on, be honest. You choose the, who wants a rock? Come on, you want, the, you want the truffle. It's shiny, it's good, it's chocolate until you realize that this rock actually came from Israel in the Valley of Elah where David slew Goliath. And all of a sudden, there's some meaning to this rock because sometimes in our life, we chose the momentary shiny things that don't last when we could be choosing the very thing that will help us be victorious over the giants in our life. And so we will dismiss this and we will go after the momentary thing every single time because it looks so good and it's so momentary. But I believe that as God sifts us, here's what the scripture says. The spirit counts for everything. The flesh counts for nothing. The flesh might feel good in the moment. It might taste good in the moment. It might look good in the moment. But when you settle for the flesh, you settle for destruction. But God wants you to be victorious over the giants in your life. 
And so as he is sifting us, as he is refining us, may we be a people who who choose the spirit. Now, what am I talking about? Because I'm not necessarily talking about those big, some of you, it's those big and gross sins that everybody's looking at and saying, you need to get your life together. But for the most of us, I don't like the president, so I'm just gonna talk bad about him instead of pray for him, like the scripture tells me to. I'm gonna... I'm not gonna pay for the Netflix account. I'm gonna bum it off of somebody else because $30 is more important to me than my integrity. You want me to keep going? This feels good, doesn't it? This feels great. I'm gonna waste time on the clock at work and get paid for it on Facebook because they don't pay me enough I'm going to cheat on that test because I need a good score. But nobody can really see that. It doesn't really matter. There's a whole slew of things that are so small behind closed doors that God is trying to get at because he wants you to be more like him. And when we're talking about being like Jesus, here's the thing. Jesus didn't walk the earth and was one way behind the scenes and another way in public. Jesus was consistent across the board. And God wants to, because here's the thing. When you start down the road of those small little deceitful things, they manifest themselves in much greater ways. See, they take root in your life. And all of a sudden down the road, you're like, I don't understand. I don't understand why my kids are deceitful and lying to me because I back here did this little small thing that I was doing and and, and acted like God couldn't see what I was doing because I didn't have the conviction. Guys, every sin, everything we do, it pays. There's a price that's being paid. There's a consequence that is tied to it. And God wants to liberate you from that. But guess what? There's going to be a sifting and there's going to be an identification and you're going to have the flesh or the spirit to choose from. There's coming a day where he's going to split the sky. Now, I don't know how this is going to work, guys, because I haven't gone there yet. But I believe that there's going to be a day. This, this is Kevin. You can just poo-poo this away if you don't believe it. Okay, this is Kevin. There's going to be a day, I believe, that I'm going to meet Jesus. And I'm going to be before him face to face. And I believe that moment, I'm going to be so in awe of Jesus Christ. So in awe of Jesus Christ. And at that day, he's going to lift my head and he's going to reward me for things that I did that nobody else noticed, for the, for the ways that I didn't compromise, for the things that I did behind the scenes that nobody, I believe there's going to be a reward. And here's the thing, when that reward comes, it's not like, oh, look how good and grand I am. Look at all this stuff. I'm going to be so in awe of the Lord that I'm going to want to shovel all of that treasure back at the feet of my Savior. Here's the thing. I've always said this. I hope they have to shut heaven down for all the treasure that I have to sweep at Jesus's feet. I hope that there's so much treasure because in that moment, in that moment, that compromise is going to seem so. In that moment, when I'm face to face with my Savior, there's going to be so many moments that I wish I would have. When it felt good in the moment, when the flesh took over in the moment, I wish I would have. And he's like, I gave you the strength, but you chose your flesh over the Spirit. And it counts for nothing. So here's your treasure. Because in that moment, I don't want to be sitting there with a cup full of treasure when other people have all of this treasure. He's going to be so worthy, I want to be shoveling at his feet. Guys, has everything to do with what happens in that secret place. What happens in that secret place? 
Are you willing to be about the Father's business? Are you willing to allow yourself to look like Jesus Christ, to sound like Jesus Christ? I was in a shoe store. It's not a secret. I like shoes. I was in a shoe store, and I went and got some shoes, and and uh, I was in the store, and I got some shirts and some shoes, and I was paying for it. This was a, a few years ago, and I was paying for, the, uh, paying for the shoes and stuff, and I had a certain budget, and I got in there, and I was like, it's so much less expensive than I thought. I was like, yes, this is awesome. I've got all this extra money and this stuff must have been on sale. I didn't realize it. I walked out, got to my car, looked at the receipt and she didn't ring up the shoes. Now, most of us would have been like, Holy Spirit, you are moving again. Thank you, Jesus. Guess what? God gave me a free pair of shoes. Look at this. Holy Spirit said to me, what you gonna do? So I walked back into the store and the girls, uh, the girl is, hey, you can come on out so people feel good about themselves. Um, so, so, so the, 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 the girl's checking me out there and, and, and doing the thing. And, and I, oh, I had to go back and I'm waiting in a line. Now, I had to go back and there, it's inconvenient because there's five people in line and I had things I had to do. So I get up there and finally I get to the girl and I said to her, hey, I'm sorry, here's my receipt and you didn't charge me for these shoes that I expected to pay for. And she goes, oh, I got you. Don't worry about it, I got you. And again, I had an opportunity, praise God. Hey, I did what I was supposed to do, got in the line, that's it. Holy Spirit said, what are you gonna do? I'm sorry, but I don't feel right taking what I did not pay for. If you don't mind, I, I know that, you know, this, I don't know that she had really the authority because she was, and so she's like, oh, you know, she got huffy, rang it up, took my money, okay? And I said, I'm sorry, I'm a believer in Jesus Christ and I just, this just didn't seem right. I hope that you have a great day. And I stepped back and she looked at me with tears in her eyes and she said, Thank you for reminding me what it's like to be a follower of Christ. I too follow him. Uh, praise the Lord. Because I just, as Midas, I just, I had the propensity to say, praise God, you gave me a free pair of shoes. Are we listening to the Father's voice? Doing the will of God is super important. Let me tell you what Jesus says. Now, this is going to be convicting. Aren't y'all glad you came to church today? Matthew chapter seven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of the Father. But Kevin, I'm parading around with a shirt that says I'm saved. Kevin, I come into church and I'm drinking your coffee. I'm sitting here in the front row. I'm smiling. Jesus said the one who does the will of the Father is the one who's inheriting the kingdom of God. Well, in order to do the will of the Father, guys, we have to listen. We have to be willing to obey what he says. We must understand that you might not like what he's telling you to do, but are you willing to do it? You are not called to do everything, but everyone is called to do something. Everyone is called to do something. And he has a job for you. And your job is not more or less significant than the person sitting next to you. Your job is not more or less significant than the person sitting next to you. 
So how in the world are we supposed to hear from God? And the only way, guys, I can tell you from my experience to hear from God is to be still and know that He is God. So my question to you is, when do I have the time to be still and listen? And what changes, if any, do I need to make each day for this to happen? Because when you're still, you can hear His voice. When you're still, you begin to become accustomed to his voice. And so when you walk into a situation, all of a sudden, I'm not having to carve out specific time, but just in my ordinary, everyday, going and coming, eating and drinking, sleeping life, I start to hear the voice of my God. And he's telling me each step what to do, what to say, who to love, who to encourage. Guys, I, 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 I bet there were 12 opportunities for all of you to minister to somebody when you came in this morning. Were you listening? Were you attuned? Were you consumed with yourself? I'm saying that to me too, guys. God will always do the heavy lifting when we show up. What's the responsibility? Listen and show up. He's gonna do the work. God, I don't know how to do this. That's okay, show up. God, I don't have the tools. That's okay, I do, show up. God, I don't know what they're going to say about me. That's okay. What I say about you is far superior than what anybody else has to say about you. But God, but God, but God. And he says, my child, I died for you. This is about eternity. Let's not make it about you anymore. I'm going to end on this story. My buddy Tim Hooper and I went to Boston this weekend. He was telling me a story He's going to be here in a few weeks uh, to speak at our conference. And um, he was in his, uh, he works from home uh, sometimes. He travels a lot, but he works from home this particular day. And he's on a Zoom call. And uh, he's on this Zoom call and his daughter runs into the room and says, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And he's on a work Zoom call. So I don't know if you've ever had that situation where you're like, stop, shh, stop, stop yelling, you know. And he's kind of got that thing going on where she's not supposed to be in there. And he's on the Zoom call and, and she's like, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And he's like, hold on. And so he puts him up. He's like, What? And she says, there's a man in our driveway. Now they live on, in the middle of nowhere. You drive past some trees on a highway and there's their house and they're past some more trees. They live in the middle of nowhere and there's a guy in the driveway. And so Tim's like, what, what do I do? You know, and so he, so he goes in the Zoom meeting and it's very awkward. It's very weird, but he goes, I, I, need, to, I need to stop this because he felt like in his heart, he was supposed to go see what the, what was God. He's like, man, the Lord just told me I'm supposed to stop this. So he awkwardly gets off the call. Well, he goes out there to the driveway and there's a guy there and he's standing there and Tim tells me, man, this guy was scary looking. But he goes out there and he says, yes, sir, can I help you? And the guy says, man, I just ran out of gas. Can you tell me where the nearest gas station is? I'm gonna walk down the road and get it. And Tim said, well, I've actually got three gallons of gas in my backyard. Let me, let me go get that can. And so he goes back and he gets the can and he comes back and Tim says, what's your name, man? And he says, my name's Bernice. And he's like, nice to meet you, Bernice. And Bernice is like, man, you know, this area is not like this, man. I, I, I don't understand why you're being so nice to me today. You know, that people usually will write me off and, and do those things. And he said, Bernice, let me ask you a question. And this is going to be a little weird, but let me ask you this question. Do you and your dad have like some issues? Bernice was stunned. Yeah, we, we're in conflict with each other and fighting at the moment, actually. And Tim said, I know this is going to sound crazy, but would you believe that I think that the God of the universe 
maybe ordain this moment for you to pull into my driveway this morning so that I could introduce you to a father who loves you more than any earthly father would. And he welled up with tears. He finished getting this gas and he prayed with Bernice and he let Bernice go on his way. Well, the next day comes and Tim's back in his room and he's doing, the, he's doing a Zoom meeting and Bernice pulls in the driveway and his daughter runs in and says, dad, there's a guy in our driveway. And he goes out there and Bernice is standing there and Bernice says, man, I just wanna thank you for taking the time to see me and remind me that there is a God who loves me. And they embraced and had a moment all from a split moment of listening and humping off of a call, walking in obedience. Who knows what Bernice, what God has for Bernice and what he's gonna do with his life. You might be a part of the story. Do you know that I don't believe that Paul would have had his ministry if he didn't have a Barnabas right there with him? There are people, your story is significant. What he uses you to do is significant. The question is, will you listen to him? And guys, He's gonna do the heavy lifting. He is a father that loves you. So feel inadequate today? Go and stand with me. Feel inadequate today? That's okay. Guess what? You can run to the father. (laughs) You can run to the father with open arms. You can run to the father today. You can run and be in his arms and say, God, I don't know how or why you would wanna use a little messed up guy or lady like me, but you know what he says? I wanna use you today. I wanna use you this week. I wanna use you in your life I want you to be like my son, Jesus. So we're gonna worship for a few moments here. And I just encourage you to spend some time with the Father and examine your heart and ask yourself this question. When do I have the time to be still and listen to his voice? Let's answer that question today as we worship.